God is faithful. Amen. If you have your Bible, please open it to James chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. Oprah Winfrey has a show on her network called Oprah's Master Class. The show tells (laughs) stories of some of the well-known celebrities and athletes and musicians we all know. And they share their successes, their failures, their headaches, their victories, their ups and downs about their life. And Waikita and I recently watched the episode that featured the actor Morgan Freeman, who shared his long journey to movie stardom. And throughout his story, Morgan Friedman kept using the word providence. Providence. For example, when he joined the Air Force, he said providence had intervened in his life. When he tried to take a job as a full-time clerk typist, providence had intervened once again in his life. He continually to mention how providence would intervene in his life at just the right time to keep him moving forward toward his dream of becoming an actor. He believes one should let providence be their guide throughout their life. That phrase sounds good. It sounds nice. But it has one major flaw. There is no room for Yahweh. There is no mention of Yahweh Elohim in that phrase at all. This is typical of human nature to make plans, pursue life dreams without any regard to God. Even as believers, we can do this as well. When we plan our life, when we pursue our dreams, we can sometimes do it without any regard to God. And this morning, James is going to challenge all of us on this fallacy. So if you have your Bible, open it to James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Here is the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, We will live to do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So for whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is God's word, holy word, and perfect word. Please pray with me. Once again, Father, I call upon you to come and speak to me. Speak to my heart. For those words, Lord, my heart needs to be reminded of that truth daily. And I need your spirit, O Lord, to come. That he will come and take these words of mine and and hopefully apply it to the hearts of your people. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Christ. I'm just a fellow beggar beneath the cross crying out for mercy like everybody else. I'm no different. I need truth. I need to be broken. I need repentance. I need to be healed. 
So Holy Spirit, if you don't come, then nothing's going to happen. If you don't come and move, we're just going through the motions. If you don't open up our hearts and open up our minds, nothing's going to take place. We're going to leave here unchanged, going out into the world, doing what we want to do for our own pleasure, without any regard to you, if you don't move, if you don't come. You know what we're dealing with. You know what we're running from. You know what we're trying to get. And you know what we're dying from on the inside. You see us. You see us to the core. So Holy Spirit, let God's word come to that core this morning to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us correction, but most of all, to let us know that we're not alone in the midst of what we're going through, that we have a God who is forever faithful, who calls his people to himself daily. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. My grandmother, Jenny May Blair, once told me that people have to realize that they can't put God on the back burner of their life because his place is on the front burner. And when God is on the back burner of our life, that means somewhere along the line we have started making plans and pursuing dreams without him. And James calls us out for this, planning and dreaming without any regard to God. Verse 13 says, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. James began this section by saying, Come now you who say. He's calling his readers, he's calling us to pay particular attention to what he's getting ready to say. He's like he's saying, Come on now people. Come on now people. You who say today tomorrow. We will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and we're going to trade, and we're going to make profit. James is speaking to believers who are business owners in this particular church. Christian business owners who are making plans on how they're going to grow their business and how they were going to generate more income. So they came up with an action plan that would involve them going to such and such a town. And they're going to spend a year there and the point here is they wanted to make their business better, which in turn would make their life better. Now, majority of us here are not business owners, but all of us here have plans. All of us here have dreams for our life. And all those plans and all those dreams are meant to make our life better. Right? I can't hear you, right? What are your dreams? What are your plans? Who do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? People have two to five year plans. Super organized people, they have a 10 year plan for their life. All of us, no matter our walk in life or our situation in life, we dream and we plan for financial freedom, retirement plans, educational plans, we have family plans, parental plans, that dream home plan, career, vocational plans, church and ministry plans, plans to eat, plans to have shelter, 
vacation, health and fitness plans. We all have them. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with them. Nor was there anything wrong with the believers in our text for having a plan for their business. See, James had no issue with them planning. He had no issue with their particular vocation. He had no issue with them wanting to make profit. He had an issue with how they approached it. Even God's word says, where there's no vision, the people perish. The issue had to do with how these business Christian businessmen approach their business and also how we approach the plans and dreams we have for our life. The problem is that we can create life plans and life dreams without any regard to God. You know it's easy to put them on the back burner. Real easy. The words in our text says, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town, spend a year and trade and make profit, and the Lord is not mentioned there at all. Just like Morgan Freeman's, Morgan Freeman's phrase, let providence be your guide. Where is the Lord? Where is he? Think about the plans you have for your life this summer. The plans you have for your business. Ask yourself, where is the Lord in this? Where is he? Is he on the front burner? Is he on the back one? In your plans to fix your financial issues, where is the Lord? In your plans to fix your family issues, where is the Lord? In your plans to go to school or go to college, where are you going to relocate? Where is the Lord? In your financial plans, in your marriage plans, where is Jesus in the midst of all of that? In your decision to change churches, where is the Lord? In your plans to have a better life, where is the Lord? And your plans to give your kids a better life than the one you grew up in. Where is the Lord? Where is he? I'm not talking about hyper-spirituality here where you say the right Christian things and you quote the Bible and you know how to talk the Christian lingo. What I'm talking about, have you really surrendered and submitted to him in your plans and dreams? Have you placed him on the altar? If we can be honest, can we be honest this morning? Can we? Then let's admit, for the most part, our life plans and our life dreams are centered on one thing, and that's comfort for my wife. Comfort. I went to college for comfort. To have a better life. To get out of my little small town so I can be comfortable. All Americans... Worship the God of comfort. And, it's the God, and that's the God's providence we want to guide our life. We want the God of providence, the God of comfort. We want that God to make our lives easy, safe, prosperity, to make our lives manageable, make our lives controllable. And the truth spoken by those who worship the God of comfort is this, I got a right. As an American, I got a right to pursue happiness. I got a right to life. I got a right to liberty. I got a right to make plans. I got a right to pursue happiness. I prayed about it. I got peace about it. That's the holy step of approval. And now you can't speak against it. Many times, 
We want Jesus to co-sign on what we're doing. Just co-sign on it, Jesus. Just co-sign on my dreams. Co-sign on my plans so we can feel good about it. Jesus gives us freedom to make decisions and choices, but that does not mean we do them independently of him. It doesn't mean that. We don't do them independently of him. One of my communications professors in college told me when he turned 18, his dad set him at the table, put a plate in front of him, got a hammer, broke the plate in front of him. And my professor told me he knew that meant it was time for him to move, basically. That his daddy was no longer going to be providing for him. It was time for him to transition out of his father's house. Many parents, we get to the place when we want our kids to move out, to be to live independent, independently of us. Now, some of you, you're going to have to give your kids a little push because they're not going to want to leave. But every parent eventually wants to get the kids off the budget. But that's not the case with God. It's the reverse. He wants you to be 40, still living in his house. He's not going to break the plate and tell you to transition out. He doesn't want you off the budget. He wants you to be dependent, not independent. It's the reverse of everything we realize about our culture. So you can stop trying to, to live a life of being free from him. And as a believer, you have to know that, that as believers, we don't have a declaration of independence. It's a declaration of dependence. That's ours, dependence on the Father at all times. There's part of us that resists it because part of our human nature and part of our individualistic culture, we desire independence. We desire our freedom to do what we want to do because it's our right. We have the right to do that. And when we create plans and pursue dreams without regard to God, please know those plans are faulty. They are. Verse 14 Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? You are a mist. A mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Vanishes. Verse 16 says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, that is sin. The first reason these plans are, are faulty is because they do not know what tomorrow will bring. James' point here is that we can at times forget the limitations that we have as human beings. These Christian businessmen made their plans as if their plans guaranteed to turn out the way they thought they would turn out. And I think many of us fall into the trap of thinking if I just had the right plan for my life, that my life will line up just the way I want it to line up. If I just have that right plan. If I just had the right financial strategy, then it will be fail-proof. It's going to produce the returns that I want it to produce. And some of you right now are thinking the dreams you have for your life are not coming true because you didn't follow that right plan. If I just had that right plan, 
my life, my family, my financial situation, everything would be different. Everything would be better. Some of you on the, could be on the opposite side of thinking your life is so good because you did follow the right plan. Plans are good, but no, they do not 100% guarantee your life is going to turn out the way you plan for it. Just because you got that right plan and read that right book or listened to that right pastor. James wants us to know that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. How can we know what next week is going to bring or two years from now is going to bring? We don't even know what Monday is going to bring. There are limitations to our life. Limitations on our plans. Because life itself has limitations on all of us. James asks you, what is your life? That's a powerful question. What is your life? If you're rich, you're poor, it doesn't matter. What is your life? Think about it. Would it last forever? Your life here on earth, would it last forever? This question shows us just how much control we do not have. Because at the end of the day, we can't protect and sustain the one thing we all value above everything else, and that's the ability to breathe. Because one day, our time shall come. One day, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This means life on earth is not eternal. It's temporary. Life comes to an end for all of us at some point. And the life plans that we create, and the life dreams that we pursue without regard to God, don't always take that reality into consideration. I know for me, when I plan out my life, I, it never crossed my mind that I'm not going to live forever. I've just been honest with you. Particularly when I was 18, I approached life that I was going to be here forever. We never take our mortality consideration until we get a reality check. It is a sickness or a death. That's when we come face to face with the fact, I'm not going to live forever. There are limits to what we can do, and there are limits to what our plans can do. And James doesn't want us to forget that life is short and tomorrow is never promised. Psalm 103 says, as for man, his days are like grass grass. He flourishes like a flower to fill. The wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Plans and dreams that do not regard God are faulty because they fail to recognize the temporary nature of life. The second reason these plans are faulty is seen in verse 17. James says, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And this word, this phrase reveals what is truly behind these plans and dreams that do not regard God. It's this Greek word here that means a person who makes himself, who thinks more of himself than he needs to. It refers to a man who puts no confidence in God, but all confidence in himself. That's what boasting your arrogance means. As one commentator said, it means a confidence in one's cleverness and luck and strength and skill. And in this context, it means we're placing all our confidence in the plans that we create and the dreams that we pursue. And all such boasting is evil. 
It's evil because it does not acknowledge God. It does not take him into consideration. It does not acknowledge him as the one who is sovereign over all his creation. There is only one that is sovereign. That is Yahweh. It is him. Instead, when we don't consider him, we act as if we are in control, as if we are sovereign. Many times, those who know Christ sometimes live like atheists, as if there is no God in the way we pursue life. We are practical atheists in the places where we truly live. On Sunday morning, we're not, but when we get to work, when we deal with our spouses, when we deal with our families, when we deal with our money, we act as if there is no sovereign God in our life. We do. And James says, don't do that. If you're convicted by that, just repent. Not trying to beat you up, because I struggle with the same thing. Just repent and move on. You have to realize that, that we are finite beings, not infinite. Not infinite. We're not all-knowing, that's Yahweh. And we're not all present. That's Yahweh as well. And please understand, if we have no regard for God in our plans and dreams and our careers and our families and our recovery and, and whatever it is that's going on in our life, it, it's like you're picking up a pair of scissors trying to cut God out of, the, out, of the, out of the family photo album, cutting him out of the picture, cutting him out of the equation. You got to understand, it's his family album. It's his photo album. Not yours. It's the one that he's giving you. The family you have, God gave that to you. The house that you have, God gave that to you. The friends that you have, God gave that to you. The money you have, God gave that to you. The clothes on your back and the socks on your feet, God gave that to you. Because if he removes his hand over your life, you will cease to exist. Even the one who doesn't know God benefits from his goodness. He just don't believe, believe it. He does. Even the atheist who hates God still benefits from God because his goodness shines in, over all of us. So you have to know that God is sovereign over what you're going through. Let providence be your God, yes, but it's the right providence. It's God's providence, not the providence of comfort or your providence, but it's God's providence, and it's good. Remember the verse I read in Psalm 103? That's the second part of that verse. It comes after the part about man's life fleeting away. And the second part of that verse says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Your life is short, but the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Do you fear him? If you do, that love is over you. And his righteousness to children, children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. And the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. And what he does is for the benefit of his people. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? As a believer, it means when we come to our plans and our dreams, we should say, if the Lord wills, we will live to do this 
and that. If the Lord wills. Now, we don't, don't treat this like what would Jesus do statement. I'm not talking about that where you go right in on your shirt or whatever. But it's talking about the Lord being the one who guides you in your life. You go to him for guidance. Back in April, my wife um, came out of her full-time job to be at home. And that was not an easy decision for us to make. We spent a year praying about that, struggling through that, planning, seeking counsel. And up to the day she left, we were nervous and afraid. I know I was because I like comfort. And throughout this process, you know, you know we planned. We had Rocky and our planner, so we had our checklist, and, and we love to make checklists. And that's just who we are. And we love checking things off, too. And so we had our pros and cons. We had our prayer requests. We sought counsel. And, and when we look back over that year, we saw the Lord answer prayer to confirm that he was in the decision that we make. And he answered some prayer on our behalf. And so I tell you that story to tell you is that, 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 that God will come to you. Whatever decision is you've got to make for your life. Whatever you feel like God's leading you to do, he will provide. And so you just go to him for, for guidance. And so when it comes to the will of God, we sometimes think it's this mystical will that's out there that we've got to find, that we've got to call a psychic hotline or go seek the right pastor to find that will. No. He doesn't hide his will from his people. Some of it's found here. If you just open the word and read it, he gives you freedom. But he also gives you the ability to seek godly counsel for other believers when your decisions that you make. Go to him in prayer for the decision you have to make. And you've got to believe. As a friend of mine told me a long time ago, I remember this. I was, I was walking around Best Buy talking, complaining to my friend about how I ain't ever going to get married. God doesn't want me to have a wife. And, and I was mad with God. And he said, Alex, you have to believe God is sovereign in your life. You're going to have to believe that. Regardless of what your life circumstances say, regardless of what you're dealing with, you've got to believe he is sovereign in your life. And that helped me. It helped me to trust. It helped me to surrender. It helped me to know that God was for me, despite how I felt at the moment. Psalm 116 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart also instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. You should memorize that verse. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken do you believe it beloved of God do you believe it I close with this book my wife's reading this book here she showed me this prayer and I told her hey I'm going to use that today and she said go ahead and it's a prayer from a book that, that's lies that women believe. And I'm going to read this prayer to you. And it's basically a prayer 
of this asking God to help me trust you with my life. It says, Father, I confess that I often fill my life with things that are earthly and temporal. I want to spend my life being and doing what is pleasing to you. May the things that matter most to you matter most to me. May your word be a light to show me your agenda for each season of my life. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit, to know what is on your to-do list for each day of my life. Please show me how to fulfill my distinctive calling and priorities. Give me the wisdom and the courage to eliminate from my schedule any activities that are not your will for me at this time. Help me to live my life in light of eternity. And may I be able to say at the end of my life, as Jesus did, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That is truth. Please pray with me. Father, I can look back over my life and definitely see your fingerprints over it all. I've had dreams growing up. I had dreams of playing college football. That was a dream of mine. But you had better dreams for me. You protected me. I had a lot of dreams that haven't come true. But everyone you have for me has. And I thank you, Lord, that, that when I look back, I can definitely know that your providence guided me through pains, through suffering, through disappointments, through hardships. Your hand was there through it all as I look back. Help us to remember your past faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto us. Great is it, Lord. And so whatever we're dealing with today, whatever we're struggling with, when we start to doubt whether or not you're on our side, help us to remember that you have never, ever forsaken your own. If our mother and father should forsake us, you say you never will, Lord. Help us to know that that, that, Lord, you work all things to the good of those who love you who are called according to your purpose. Help us to know, Father, that you're not evil, that you're not mean, but you are forever good. And so I pray that your spirit will come into our hearts and to remind us of the truth. Help us to know that living dependent lives upon you is good our soul. And so I pray for those who are struggling to believe it. I pray for those who are dealing with hard life situations that, 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 that that's not easy to get free from. I pray that they will not lose hope that, Lord, you can make a way. That whatever is impossible with man is always possible without God. Help us to believe it. In Christ's name I pray.